This is Michael Collins. It's just about um, noon, and this is the uh, financial series called Lunchtime Learning, where we talk about issues related to family financial security each month. Um, today, our topic is on the connection between financial capability and domestic violence. Um, so we'll get started here in just about another minute or so. Um, but if you didn't get a chance, the uh, website is fyi.uwex.edu slash financial series. And on that page, you will find a link to the um, domestic violence and financial capability area. And there is a PDF file, it's a little blue underscore, um, that has the link to the, to the brief that I'll be talking about today. Um, I'll probably spend, I estimate around 20, 20 minutes to 30 minutes, just going over the uh, information in that brief, and then uh, would certainly want to spend most of the rest of the time um, with your comments and questions. I know many people in Wisconsin uh, with extension have worked with um, domestic violence programs, including a train-the-trainer program a few years back. So um, there's probably lots of expertise in the, the virtual room here that we'd want to share as well. So um, any questions before I get started? Or anybody have any trouble finding the materials online? I found them pretty easy. Um, and just a reminder, these calls are archived, so they're recorded and they will be posted online um, in the next week or so. Um, and um, recall, too, that we do these calls every other month on the, um, the first, second Monday at noon um, on the off month. So for next month, it will be March. We do a series called Building Bucks, where we uh, look at some of the core financial education topics. Um, so each month we, each, every other month we take, we pick a different topic that sort of rotates over the course of the year. The uh, lunchtime learning series is very much um, special topics, uh, more in depth on a, on an area that is of interest to um, people in, in the counties across Wisconsin. And these topics come from suggestions from people like you. So if there's a suggestion that you have, um, for an upcoming call, we certainly uh, would welcome to hear hear that. You can email me directly, Michael Collins, or um, you know, even post it on the website. So we uh, will look for your thoughts and ideas on on future briefs and future um, topics that you think are important. All right, with that, I'll go ahead and get started and talk about um, the issue brief 2012-02, which is financial capability and domestic violence. So just a little background about how I became interested in this topic. I don't, I don't come from a human services background and um, don't have any experience really at all in the, um, <clears throat> the domestic violence or, or social work or transitional housing space. Um, but I have become very interested in how we deliver, we meaning as a, as a society or as, as a, you know, in terms of public policy, um, deliver financial capability interventions. And by financial capability, I mean a combination of financial education as well as counseling, coaching, and access to financial products. So it's sort of a, a broad suite of interventions that you can think about that help people make better financial choices in their life. Um, and one of the things we realize is that many financial capability programs are really aimed at um, people who are doing pretty well otherwise. That you know, it's in the workplace um, for people who are relatively affluent and have employers that offer um, financial education combined with a, a retirement plan. Um, or it's um, offered in communities uh, by people in the real estate industry who want to buy homes and have the means to buy homes. But we frequently 
don't have services available for people who are most at risk and most in trouble. And so, you know, finding ways to integrate financial education into public programs, uh, into the the communities where people are are most struggling is is a challenge. And so, there's lots of examples that that people on extension I know have been both involved with, whether it's Head Start or through food assistance programs or through uh, public or subsidized housing, through um, legal aid programs. There's lots and lots of examples that are out there um, through the Department of Corrections and others. Um, but one that I know has been um, uh, frequently discussed is this idea of, of uh, women in particular, but not exclusively women, but generally women, um, who are um, at risk of abuse or in a domestic violence situation and the role of financial education and the role of financial capability um, for these these clients can be very important for their safety, for their the, their power, um, for their ability to recover from these situations. So um, it is a, a is it a good example of a cross-cutting sort of um, uh, area or application of the financial education and financial capability work. Uh, my interest in this really was driven in part um, by some uh, questions that we got from at the federal level from the Department of Treasury and we began to do some research about what was available out there. It turns out there's actually fairly decent research for for the financial education field, at least, on programs in this area. Uh, and there was a, an array of existing strategies that seemed to be well-designed and evidence-based. And um, the Department of Treasury, which, now remember, Department of Treasury, is uh, they're the folks that print the money and, and, <laughs> and collect our taxes and uh, regulate financial institutions, generally not so interested in things like human services. But the Department of Treasury really saw this as an intersection between what their core mission was and uh, the lives of people and communities, and decided to sponsor last year an event in Washington, D.C., in their cash room, as it's called. And the cash room uh, used to be the place when, in, you know, in the 1800s, you could go and get your bonds cashed, and you could actually get cash. Um, it served as like a bank, literally a, a central bank. Um, no longer is it the cash room for that purpose. It's just a beautiful uh, gilded room from uh, from the you know before the turn of the century um, that is used for you know, very nice events in, in in the and it's attached to the White House is the other thing. So you get very high level people from from Washington um, attending these meetings. And so we had a day long event um, with the Department of Treasury in the cash room on this topic of. Um, economic status and domestic violence and financial capability. And we had very high-level attendance, people from the White House, from, from the Vice President's office, and from Treasury, from Health and Human Services. And it became obvious that this was a place in and, uh, in federal government. There aren't that many places where departments and parties and everything else aligns to sort of see see that there's a, a need and an interest and a, and a priority. And we saw that. So it's, it's become an issue, I think, that... Uh, we're, we're proud to be part of, and I'm, I'm happy to be able to feed, feedback some of what I heard there and learned there um, with you all today. Um, so, the, you know, the connections between financial capability and domestic violence are, are probably well known, but I'll just review them um, real quickly. I mean, one is is that um, we worry that women who are victims of domestic violence are oftentimes um, less financially capable themselves. They don't have quite the access to resources as, as others, and there's data to, to back that up, which is not exclusive, though. Certainly, domestic violence happens to people all across the social economic stratus um, and spectrum. Um, but we do worry that it, it, it might be more prevalent among low-income communities. Um, 
But more important than that is that, you know, less less an issue of targeting, more an issue of one of the things that can that can keep women and men to some extent, I mean, dependent, we have to be careful about some of these gender stereotypes, but predominantly it's women, um, in relationships sometimes is money. And sometimes it's because they don't have any control over the money. Sometimes it's they don't have any understanding of how to control money or um, the ability to um, go out and create an independent financial um, uh, account or the ability to um, retain the money that they make or to be able to make decisions about spending. And so that can in and of itself be a form of control and even abuse in and of itself um, that can either keep women in, in otherwise physically or, or other uh, mentally or emotionally uh, harmful situations. Um, or it, you know, in and of itself become a, a form of abuse that, that people are uh, suffering under. Um, so we, we worry about economic abuse in its many forms, uh, both as a, a direct harm and as a way to, to um, keep women in otherwise uh, you know, physically abusive relationships. And, you know, obviously it, the, the um, standard for many couples, whether they're formally recognized in a, in a partnership or not, is for some division of labor around managing money. And so it's not infrequent that, um, you know, one spouse might do something like manage a checkbook and another spouse does something like manage investments. And oftentimes that's a good solution. But when that crosses the line and one party is not allowed to um, have information or to be able to do something, that can become a way to exert power over the other party. And, you know, we, we, um, you know, obviously would want to be sensitive to the fact that couples are going to arrange their financial lives in different ways, but we want to make sure that if one party has a disadvantage because they don't have as much knowledge or they don't have access to the same resources, um, that there is at least some opportunities out there in communities for that to be equalized to some extent. Um, and it turns out there have been uh, many uh, programs designed to do just that. Some are focused on prevention and some are more focused on interventions for uh, particularly women who are in trouble, who are, say, in a shelter or who are at risk of further abuse and, and trying to come up with a solution to get out of that, that situation. Um, the um, research is, is predominantly on the more intervention side um, for women who are in trouble and are seeing financial capability as a – increasing their financial capability as a way to get out of that trouble. But there certainly is a strong interest in broader – financial education for women um, across the economic spectrum, in part because it can make them uh, more informed and better able to manage relationship issues related to money. Um, but most of what I'm, I'm going to report about here is going to actually be on the intervention side, and that's not to say that the prevention side isn't as important. It just hasn't been um, as widely studied and discussed in the literature. So um, we'll, we'll hopefully come back to that when we have some discussion as well. Um, in terms of the, the studies that are out there, most of them are relatively new. So we're talking the last four or five years. This is not dissimilar from most of what we see in the financial education world in general. Um, there are not that many um, really good studies on financial education, and, and most of the studies that do exist are, are less than five or ten years old. So it's, it's not an area that's been well, well studied. We as a field don't have... Um, standardized measures or surveys or any of those kinds of things. And you've, you've probably all heard me talk about this before. It's not like some other areas that you may be working in. The evidence is thin at best um, regarding impacts. But the 
the, the domestic violence and financial capability space is one where there has been some work and, and some good work um, by um, researchers affiliated with academic institutions who have really um, tried to do the best they can with, with oftentimes the meager resources they have to do research in these settings. Um, so one study that's discussed here um, is a study from back in 2007 that Sanders, Weaver, and Schnabel did um, where they looked at um, women in shelters. So when we talk about in shelters, it means basically a woman who's who's left the relationship, left the home, sometimes with kids, and is you know really trying to um, establish an independent household, but needs a transitional stage. And so oftentimes that transitional housing in these shelters might include um, support for things like getting a job, basic transportation, essentially whatever it takes to set up an independent household and and to get out of get out physically out and away from the abusing partner. Um, the the um, intervention that these authors looked at was a um, basically a workshop that was held at the shelter um, regard, regarding um, how you do a budget, how you build your credit, how do you get access to banking, um, how do you develop a spending plan. Um, it was um, taught over the course of four three-hour sessions, so relatively intensive, 12 hours in length. Um, and, you know, they they would oftentimes do these in the evenings, um, although sometimes they might be um, during during some daytimes as well. Um, they did a pre- and post-test, and the post-test was only a couple weeks after the last intervention. But in that case, you know, generally worry about these really short follow-ups. But in this case, it may not be... Um, uh, that it may not be that crazy because what we're really trying to see is, you know, short run, does it help these women um, get out of the shelter and start to establish, take steps to establish uh, an independent financial uh, life, essentially. Um, so it wouldn't be a wouldn't be a, a bad design given what they were trying to do. Um, and so they were able to compare those and and to see um, if knowledge changed, if, if if intentions changed, those kinds of things. Um, and they were really able to see some small effects on financial literacy. Um, and they, you know, they weren't really able to see changes on longer-term outcomes, um, which you might like to see. And that was partly just the, the nature of the study itself. And they, their comparison group here was another shelter that didn't have this 12 hours of, of education. But so it was positive enough that it, that it um, as a pilot at least, began to start a conversation in the domestic violence community that maybe this is something we ought to include more broadly in the shelter setting and maybe we ought to come up with more formalized ways to deliver these kinds of services. Um, and the major um, impetus to try to, to address this has been some work through the Allstate Foundation, Allstate Insurance Company, um, when they created a curriculum uh, called Moving Ahead and it was designed for survivors of domestic violence. It was designed to be used either in a shelter setting or in a, um, you know, a non-shelter setting. So um, it could be um, through a community group or through a church or through those other kinds of settings as well. Um, that has not been studied in a with a comparison group per se. So um, all the all they've been able to do since that was launched is a, um, you know, after the session was over, have the participants. Um, sort of reflect on what they learned and, and um, give some indication about how well they thought it met their needs and whether it was going to help them. And 
Um, you know, it did, they did indicate things like they're more likely to say they had set financial goals or created a budget or things that we think are highly indicative of um, beginning to take more control over um, your financial life. So it's very positive. Um, what's even more positive is that Allstate is now working with um, some of the same researchers to do an ongoing um, uh, longer-term uh, study where they're actually going to survey women who've gone through the curriculum, survey some women who haven't gone through the curriculum, and see what the effects are over you know six months or eight months. And that's underway now, and our understanding is that that has been a, um, a really big bo- uh, boon to the um, to the development of that curriculum, um, even in the short run, because they've learned a bit about some of the things that have worked and not worked. And so we expect to see further further um, advances in the in the curriculum design. And at the end here, I'm going to talk a bit more about other other curricula that are out there. And, and there's actually quite a, a number of good resources out there that that are available to, to examine. Um, so again, based on the these couple of studies and, and the work that's out there, um, there was a lot of interest in this topic. And so it was last May that that we took part with um, the Department of Treasury and some funding from the Social Security Administration to hold a one-day workshop on exploring the intersection of financial capability and domestic violence. And in the PDF version of the brief I sent around, there's actually a link to the website, which is um, cfs.wisc.edu slash events slash DV workshop. And there you can actually find all of the briefs for each of the um, the researchers that presented, as well as their PowerPoint presentations. We don't actually have video, um, but we do have some podcasts from some of the um, authors of some of the briefs. Um, so you can listen to short short audio podcasts of um, the researchers talking about their work and, and why it's important. Um, so you'll find on there a total of um, um, three different panels that were presented um, uh, with different different papers and presenters and some of the um, overview of, of why it's an important topic. So there's a lot of rich material on that website that I would encourage you to look at, um, including just a summary of the proceedings. Um, included in the brief that I sent you are... Um, just some of the main takeaways from that workshop. So I'll sort of give you the Cliff Notes version if you if you don't have a chance to look at the website and the material that's there. Um, and these these are listed as sort of nine here, so I'll sort of run through them and, and give you a sense of some of the things we heard there. One of the things that always was, you know, it was like the number one priority of everybody who spoke was, you know, let's not let the financial capability um, cart drive here. You know, the, the horse is always going to be, the uh, the safety concerns and that we wouldn't want to um, have women stay in an unsafe situation until they completed a financial education course or something like that 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 we're we're um, number one we want to get women out of any kind of physical or mental abuse and number two we can start thinking about interventions um, which might include financial and otherwise um, the next um, thing that we talked a bit about at the workshop was the um, the balancing of short and long-term financial stability that oftentimes what women need in the short run is a little bit of rent money for transitional housing, maybe some transportation money um, to get out of the shelter, to get their kids reestablished, maybe in a different school, um, you know, just some emergency um, resources. Long run, though, those emergency resources are um, going to be exhausted, and then the um, you know, the victim is going to be in a position where they're going to have to scramble to find more resources. And all too often, you know, one of the only sources of more resources might be the abuser themselves. And so we need to make sure there's systems in place so that when 
push comes to shove and, and there really is a resource constraint. There are, um, you know, emergency funds available as needed, but also a long-term plan so that, um, you know, the women that are in these situations really can get out from, from these, um, from these relationships and can become more independent about their, their financial needs and financial resources. Um, you know, another important thing we heard was that you've got to be really careful about your expectations about a financial education program. That, you know, even sitting through 12 hours of education on finances may be really hard for women in these situations. There may be physical reasons, there may be cultural reasons, and there may be language reasons. Um, you know, who and how and um, where that education is delivered can be very important. Um, it needs to be a safe place. It needs to be, you know, private. It needs to be probably delivered by somebody like them in terms of gender and culture and some other things. Um, so, um, you know, we need to be cautious about how we design programs, but also need to be realistic about what can be done. You know, designing a budget may be realistic, but creating a retirement plan may not be so realistic. Um, one of the things we often heard, too, was um, the process, the technical process of disentangling credit reports and accounts can be very, very challenging. And that sometimes what we really need are more than education. We need technical help, like a lawyer um, or uh, a lawyer and somebody who's very well versed in how to deal with credit agencies or how to deal with um, dealing with landlords or dealing with credit card companies, that kind of thing. Um, so sometimes being um, you know in partnership with a credit counselor or, or a legal aid or even a private attorney can be can be an important part of this. Um, in terms of uh, number four is when we're delivering education or, or other services in a in a shelter environment in particular, um, you know, oftentimes there's a lot going on, and, and it, you know, the sort of chaotic environment is something we heard quite a bit. Um, oftentimes there might be you know, moms and kids or single moms. Um, sometimes we have um, some mix of of um, people. Um, who may have other problems, abuse problems, substance abuse, those kinds of things that may be going on. And so, um, you know, whatever the intervention is, if you, you, if you were, for example, interested in, in applying um, a, the Allstate curriculum to a shelter in your community, you need to really understand what the environment is in that culture, what's the mix of um, uh, women with kids, without kids, of other treatment that might be going on. Um, and maybe it's not providing uh, exactly the, the cookie-cutter approach, but um, finding a subset of the, the shelter population that might be most appropriate and really targeting them um, and then modifying what you're going to deliver based on what their needs are because uh, it may really vary from, from location to location, even time to time. Um, another theme we heard in number five was that, um, you know, the, the race and ethnicity and culture um, can be very important and um, you know, we heard um, certainly when you're talking about people coming from a, from a foreign culture that might have different um, gender conceptions as one, um, different language issues, um, uh, you know, people from, from different backgrounds that might um, perceive money in different ways and might um, even perceive financial advice in different ways. And in some communities, um, you know, financial matters are not something that are discussed even in a, in a counseling session. Um, or being told about financial items, um, you know, how to manage your money can be seen as very paternalistic and, um, you know, might be something that can um, start to, to get your audience to be uh, 
antagonistic than you might like otherwise. So um, the key point was just really understanding the audience and building on the strengths in the room. Um, you know, sometimes it's um, uh, the peer-to-peer -peer, um, aspects of financial education might be more important than a, than a more, um, you know, teacher-learner-directed kind of model. Um, another key point we heard a lot was that financial capability is just a part of the puzzle and that in the domestic violence space, it's, it's a matter of connecting existing service providers and resources. And so in a shelter environment, obviously a key thing is thinking about housing. How do we get women into affordable rental properties? Um, how do we do that in a quick way? How do we get, get them into units that are um, appropriate if they have young children um, and are safe? Um, you know, provide them the safety they need given the, the, the experiences they've been through. And that requires collaboration with public agencies and with private agencies and then also with um, oftentimes private landlords. And, um, you know, the process of getting a rental unit, for example, we, we often heard involved a credit check and well, if that credit check involves a, a former abuser's um, you know, is, is somehow entangled in that credit report, that can make it hard to get it, you know. So just finding out, finding ways and mechanisms to um, get women through the process and into stable, a stable household um, is an important, an important step, and that requires a lot of collaboration above and beyond what might be financial, particularly. Um, the seventh item that's listed here is um, thinking about ways to connect with financial products. Um, you know, the, the, uh, well, uh, child care is another list on too, but I'll, I'll talk first about the, um, the financial products. Um, you know, the, one of the biggest problems that women have is that they had not, um, been responsible or not been allowed in many cases to, to do things like get their paycheck and cash it themselves and manage that money. Um, and, you know, oftentimes there isn't a banking relationship per se. And so the simplest um, short-term thing that women need to do is turn that check into cash that can be used to take care of basic needs. Um, and, you know, a basic check cashing service um, can be an important way to do that. Um, sometimes shelters will do that in-house. Sometimes they'll work with a, a local um, company or a financial institution to do that. But um, that can be an important short-run need that women have, as well as um, just storing cash. Um, you know, the shelter sometimes is, isn't always a place where valuables can be stored. So having a place that things can be locked up and safe during the day um, is important as well. Um, but child care is another one we heard that um, paying for child care is expensive and, you know, figuring out a way to um, uh, get that, get uh, children enrolled in child care so that women can get into the workforce and begin to to get some economic resources to begin to set up their uh, independent households is important. Um, the eighth thing is the idea of access to financial services. And the um, one of the uh, authors of the, the papers that we saw there was talking a lot about match savings accounts for women in domestic violence. So the idea is that women could actually begin um, saving, um, sometimes even before they leave the abusive environment, but definitely after, um, so that they could have their savings matched in a special bank account and start to build up some savings for things like um, a first month's rent um, to establish their own household or a down payment for a car, which they might need to be independent. Um, or just to make 
um, make ends meet um, as emergency funds so that they can um, be flexible enough to, to move or to um, be responsive if they don't feel like they're safe. Uh, the problem is, is that most of the, um, the match savings products, the individual development accounts that are, are out right now, um, at least when they have federal subsidy, have very limited um, purposes they can be used for. So um, generally it's things like um, you know buying a first house or starting a small business or education. And so the kinds of things I just discussed are, are probably not going to be um, allowable. So the, the one of the programs, one of the shelter programs, actually created a separate account um, specifically for um, women domestic violence situations. So they could use their match savings for um, some of these otherwise non-allowable expenses. And it turned out to be incredibly important as just a, a cushion or insurance um, so that women could be able to be um, flexible enough to, to make ends meet and to avoid abusive situations. So that sort of flexible um, accounts are important. But just establishing a bank account, a, ch a checking account in their own name uh, could be a big step. And finding a financial institution who will work with, you know, sometimes non-traditional uh, banking customers and offer a, uh, you know, often as a bare bones account, uh, but at, at low or no fee um, can be a challenge. So having banking partners in the process can be very important. Um, the last thing, and we heard this a lot, is that the, you know, there there are a lot of strengths among women who are in these situations. They 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 have survival strategies. They've oftentimes been um, in situations for for a while, and they know the situations that other women are in well, and can um, be really important to helping design curriculum, design the examples, um, help think about who would good educators would be, or even themselves would be good educators. Um, so the the idea we heard frequently was that you need to include um, current survivors and, um, you know, even clients who maybe have been through shelters a long time ago uh, as part of the process so that they can begin to think about what are some of the key concepts that need to be conveyed um, and what are the best ways to convey those concepts. Um, so that, that's sort of a synopsis of, of what went on in that workshop and of a couple of the studies that are they're important as providing evidence for some of the work in this area. The last thing I want to do is talk about some of the resources that are available um, out there. Um, and these are generally um, available for free or a low cost from um, nonprofits or foundations that develop these resources. Um, there may be other resources that I'm, I'm missing, and certainly I would, I would love to hear about those at the end. And you can certainly email me. My email's in the um, in the brief itself. You can always email those to me, and we can add them in. Um, this is an area where there's, um, you know, I think a lot of um, of current um, research and work, and particularly as we see the evaluation of the all-state curriculum go forward, um, we ought to see even more refinement of, of the kinds of materials that are out there. But let me just talk about what's out there now, um, including the existing all-state, the moving ahead curriculum. Um, and there's a link here to the uh, website that they call Empower. Um, so you can find the materials. They are translated into English and Spanish, and they essentially have five modules, which is um, one is sort of a basic introduction. Um, another is what um, they call it financial fundamentals, but it's you know the, the terms, um, understanding some of the technical aspects of what we're talking about. I mean, sort of a baseline understanding of, of financial terms and conditions. Um, the next section is about credit, particularly. Um, credit repair, 
and pulling up a credit report and managing the basics of credit. Um, the next is building financial foundations, and so that uh, gets into the idea of, of accounts and um, you know basic money management. Um, and the last is a is a budgeting section, which is oftentimes really critical um, about you know how women are going to establish an independent household and what they need to do in terms of their income coming in and their expenses going out and how they manage them. Um, there is a presentation from Judy Postmas, who's the um, professor at Rutgers who has been involved in the development of this particular curriculum with the support of Allstate. Um, and so you can um, see more of, of what she presented and, and what she writes about there. Um, the next one is a, um, a, a uh, curriculum that was developed by um, an organization in St. Louis called Grow Redevelopment Opportunities for Women. Um, they, they have been probably the national leaders in this area, probably working on this longer than, than any other organization that I'm aware of, um, in, in, part, in partnership with um, some of the social work community and social workers in, in the St. Louis area, as well as um, some of the universities that are engaged on um, consumer finance and, and financial management and uh, counseling issues. Um, they developed a curriculum um, which is in some ways similar to what the Allstate curriculum is. It's, um, uh, it, it covers some, many of the same ideas. The one area where it's um, a bit more focused is, is around the area of savings and individual development accounts, sort of the idea that um, in partnership with education, um, what financial capability programs might do is, is connect women to savings accounts with matched savings for um, flexible use to establish their own household and to make ends meet, as well as for, for you know, maybe important things like saving up for a down payment someday. Um, so that's an important piece of this. Um, what's what's um, um, remarkable about the, um, the row curriculum is that they have developed a train-the-trainer um, um, I don't know, module, I guess you would call it, so that they can help um, domestic violence advocates who are working with women every day who are at risk of abuse or in abusive relationships not necessarily become experts on all aspects of financial management, but just know enough so that they can recognize when financial management issues are um, at the heart of, of what's going on. For, with a woman's issues and being able to know when to refer them for formal, more formal um, economic education or, or financial education. Um, so um, Cynthia Sanders, who is at Boise State, has done really good work in this field and, and her um, materials are, again, on the, the workshop website I mentioned before and, and linked in the, the brief as well. Um, another curriculum that we've come across more recently is the Hope and Power for Your Personal Finances which is developed by the National Coalition Against, National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, um, the NCADC. And it is a, um, it's a free curriculum available on the web. And it is, um, similar in many ways to the other curricula. It's a, it's a bit more compact in its delivery. Um, but, um, the National Coalition does really, really good work. And, uh, it can be another resource to examine, um, you know, an alternative way to, to approach some of these things. I think it's only in English, although, I should double check and see, uh, make sure that's true. Um, whereas the Allstate one is, is at least available in Spanish. Um, another one is um, de was developed in Iowa, 
and it was designed for use in in a domestic shelter in a, a, a shelter situation. Um, Personal Economic Planning, or PEP, um, which was distributed statewide. Um, I, um, I'm blanking now on if, if there was a connection to the Iowa extension or not, but um, it's certainly been um, uh, something that's been trained, uh, that, that workers, domestic violence workers across the state have been trained on. Um, and again, it's available um, through the link that's available on the, uh, the website. Um, last... Um, couple of things to share are just some more generic resources available online. Um, one is the VAW Net, which is the Violence Against Women Net. Um, it's an online site that has a really excellent set of resources. Um, in fact, all, uh, everything I've talked about today is, is archived on their site or at least linked to from their site. Um, so they do a really nice job of uh, distributing and disseminating information um, for advocates. And you can um, find almost everything on their site, and they actually use, um, you can sign up on their website for updates and that kind of thing, too. So with that, if you're working in this space at all, it's a really good resource. I'd say it's probably the number one go-to source um, to try to find more information and up-to-date information as well, because they update their site um, really quickly when new information comes out. Um, so they, the, there's some links there that you can find um, directly to their website. Um, another resource is the National Network to End Domestic Violence, NNEDV. Um, they have some information on the train-the-trainer approach to financial literacy, um, which, again, might be a key place for you if you're not directly involved in the, in the shelters or with caseworkers, that perhaps it's, it's more a matter of training other professionals to be keyed into the uh, intersections between domestic violence and financial capability. And so that's the um, tools on their website might be might be helpful. Um, another state-specific um, set of materials is the K Kentucky Domestic Violence Association. It's um, uh, a very nice um, set of materials they put together f as part of their economic justice project um, uh, almost 10 years ago, eight years ago. Um, and they are, again, focused on the idea of match savings, individual development accounts, um, as well as tax prep, which can be um, uh, very important as we think about right now, right now as, as they, um, this point in the uh, year when lots of people are dealing with getting their taxes prepared. And as you, as you probably know, one of the biggest supports for women who have kids is the earned income tax credit and the child tax credit. And sometimes in domestic violence situations, there's some disputes over who actually gets to claim the child and how taxes are filed. Are they, are they filed, um, you know, together or separately? And um, those can become um, a combination of, um, of social work and mental health issues as well as legal issues. And um, so this is one of the um, resources that can be available to, to uh, explore those kinds of issues. Um, and the last thing is the website I mentioned at the beginning. So this is the, um, the, the website that's um, the, on the Wisconsin um, Center for Financial Security um, website. is a section devoted to the workshop that took place in 2011. Um, and where really all the materials in this brief are, are derived from, from the discussions we learned that day and um, from um, the researchers that were available to present that day as well. So um, I think I'll stop there, and I'll um, both open it up to questions as well as any experiences that people have had in, in working with the domestic violence population and um, uh, ideas for their colleagues as well. 
Michael, this is Christy um, in Winnebago County, and I would just say that that first um, takeaway that you have about safety, it's surprising how some of those things bear out. I've taught at our local domestic violence shelter, and just talking about something as simple as um, requesting their free credit report, you know, there were definite safety concerns that came up about that if the address you know, that they declare on their form if that somehow gets reported back onto their report, which would identify where they are. And, um, you know, that was something that I hadn't really thought about before that question came up. That's a great example. Um, these are, you know, whenever you're involved with this population, it's really important to, to really be part of a coalition. And, you know, hopefully you have lots of, of perspectives at the table that can help you uh, think through a lot of these details. Other questions or experiences? Other people on the line who were part of the, um, I think it was about three years ago or four years ago, there was a, a training effort in Wisconsin, a train-the-trainer effort. This is Christy again. Um, I would just say that our county was involved with that um, train-the-trainer effort with the Wisconsin Domestic Violence um, Group, and they shared with all the advocates that attended the Hope and Power curriculum. So we've taken a peek at that and um, found that to be pretty good, and we've incorporated some of those activities in our work going forward. Great. And, Michael, this is Beth Dow um, from Grand County. The, and I'm not in my office in front of my computer. I'm actually on the road listening to my phone. So. Um, you, you remember you referred to the website. Just, did you send that out in the email to us with all the links, or? Yeah. So the um, the reminder I sent about this call on Friday had a link to the FYI site, and on the FYI site is a link to the the brief called Financial Capability and Domestic Violence, and so that brief in itself has links to. So this is a multiple embedded link, but yes, all the links are there. Perfect. You may have said that earlier, but I didn't get on right away. Yep. Michael, I have a quick question. Um, the National Network to End Domestic Violence, you have that cited on this brief, um, and then you also have the Allstate moving ahead through financial management. I have a curriculum printed out from the um, National Network, and it it's, has Allstate's logo all over the place on it. Was it revised from 2009, or is that the same thing? I think it's the same thing. Okay. Um, I, uh, I'm pretty sure it's the same thing, because there was some confusion about that at our workshop as well. I think the idea is that they're going to revise it again okay. in, in the next year or so. Thanks. And I would say the, the reality is that most of these are pretty similar in terms of the content they cover, and it certainly... It wouldn't be inappropriate for you to, you know, look through them all and decide which pieces of, of each sort of are, are most appropriate given your situation. Some of them only cover certain things. So, um, you know, taxes are only covered in some and um, individual development accounts are only covered in some. So in, in some cases, that there are some unique aspects to them, but, um, you know, a lot of it is, is really matching the content and the delivery style to the audience that you have. I think another thing too to bear in mind is that the, well, the Allstate curriculum has been 
to some extent researched, and the row curriculum has been some some extent researched. Um, you know, the findings are still relatively preliminary, um, but I think they are, you know, consistent with the idea that these are are generally positive in terms of, of gaining knowledge, um, and at least intentions, if not actual behavior. Um, so there's, you know, there's certainly some some positive indications in the evidence, but I think you can also generalize that to some of these other curriculums as well because they're so close in content to each other that, um, you know, if it worked for the Allstate curriculum, it probably is pretty similar for what, for what you'd find with the um, the Hope and Power curriculum, for example. Other um, comments or questions from folks? Is anybody actively involved in either train the trainer or directly working with women who are victims of uh, domestic violence currently? I am. This is Gail. Not in financial, but in other relationship programs. Are there um, are there any financial aspects being taught by others in that program? Um, you know, I have gone to the domestic abuse shelter and taught in the past. Uh, there's a new director, and it just kind of stirred on um, in my mind of offering some type of programming at the shelter. So right now, not that I'm aware of, but since the new director has been there, it might be something to consider. Michael, with the all-state curriculum, I looked it over. Are those modules meant to be for the facilitator? or are they meant to be printed off and used as kind of a workbook for the participants? I think they're, so I, I think, you, it's, you know, you can you can use it how you want to use it, but it's generally um, for the facilitator with an occasional activity or handout. But um, oftentimes, although I think it's designed that you could use it as a workbook, I think oftentimes it's not used that way in application. So the kinds of things that oftentimes are used um, directly with, with clients might be the budgeting exercises or the credit report check, that kind of thing. They've got those listed separately, like a budget, personal budget form. Um, right. Lots of important documents. But, you know, I, I'm thinking how, it, to me it appears that the curriculum is for the facilitator. It would be nice if there was one, like a participant workbook or something that they could Mm-hmm. all that information rather than having loose pieces of paper out. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that, but um, it is a good idea. So again, I would, um, if you're interested in more, interested in more um, information on these topics, um, both the workshop that I talked about before and then the VAWNet um, website is a really good resource for all kinds of, of background information. Um, that, that could be really helpful. Um, and, and if this is something you're sort of working on an ongoing basis, uh, it, it can even be useful to um, sort of subscribe to that site and get regular updates as, as new information comes out because they've really been impressive in their ability to, um, to keep track of what's going on in, in this area. Well, with that, I, I thank you all for your time today. And um, again, if, if folks have ideas for the call that will take place in April, I guess, and that'll be the next lunchtime learning. Um, so if you have thoughts on, on potential topics for that, I welcome them. Um, but otherwise, have a great week. Thanks, Michael. Take care.